Welcome to I Change the Narrative, a podcast for and about Black men inspiring, supporting, and empowering Black men and Black boys. This episode of I Change the Narrative is sponsored by So Organic, So Suave, also known as Sauce. Sauce is a luxury hair care and skin care refuge for those with thick hair and melanin-rich skin. From healthy beard growth, to top of head hair styling to an illuminating skincare regimen. Sauce Essentials will naturally enhance your outer appearance to strengthen your inner confidence. Sauce invites you to accept the authenticity and real self-care and embrace your best. You can find Sauce's award-winning grooming essentials online at sosd.co. Again, that's S-O-S-S-D. Dot co. You can also follow Sauce on Instagram for the latest in product news and updates at sossd.co. Elevate your grooming with Sauce today. Today's topic is, I wanted to um, provide some fresh voices that are, um, that is dedicated to our younger brothers. These gentlemen um, with us today, we'll be sharing life lessons and experiences and Black manhood. Before we start the conversation, I want our guests to briefly tell us about yourself and the work that you're involved in that either lends itself to the topic or the lived experience. We're going to start with Jordan. Well, good afternoon, everybody. My name is Jordan Gregory. I am the founding creator of Get Loose Radio, which is my online radio show, and I'm also currently involved in ministry as well. Thank you, Jordan. Mm-hmm. Carl. Hey, everybody. My name is uh, Carl Nelson. I'm the uh, the CEO and uh, and founder of Intern Media, uh, and I am a I'm a journalist. I have an interview series, um, a documentary series, um, and just um, really trying to, to do my part to to change the narrative for uh, for Black males as well. Thank you, Carl and Joshua. Yes. Um, how's it going, everyone? Um, my name is Joshua Moore. I am involved in Human services, mental health. I'm a caseworker for a agency in PG County, Maryland, uh, and I also am involved in ministry. I'm the young adult uh, leader for Carolina Missionary Baptist Church Youth Ministry. Thank you, thank you, guys. Welcome to the show. For those who are watching, you may be wondering about these fresh faces. Well, fresh faces bring fresh perspectives and also carry wisdom. And I wanted to showcase a group of young men who are soaring in positive directions and to let our listeners know that wisdom knows no limits. So let's get started with the conversation. So gentlemen, like I said, this is a conversation about your lessons in black manhood. So what are some of the most important things you've learned thus far in your walk in this black manhood anyone can take it away Uh, i'll go (laughs) (laughs) um that you're never going to stop learning (laughs) Uh, you're never going to stop learning and the reason why i say that is because you're even as you evolve as you elevate as you grow whether it's in um, your profession your vocation or whether it's in um, ministry, your community service, or whether it's in age, 
um, you're, there's always something to be, uh, to be learned. Um, I remember, I, I do recall uh, one of my father and my grandfather always telling me, um, the moment you start saying, I know, when you start, when you receive advice, I know, I know, the moment you look at you, people will look at you as a fool. And that's the last thing. When I heard that, I was like, all right, that, you're right. But also you have to be open to receive criticism because we, because sometimes we receive criticism as a bad thing, but criticism can help and it, it can develop into wisdom as well that you can also use for your everyday life, but, but you can also pass that on to somebody else, whether it be um, your listeners, whether it be uh, your children, your family, your friends, it doesn't matter who it is. So I, that's why I say you, you would never stop learning. Um, yeah, I would have to definitely second that notion uh, that Jordan just put out there. And I also want to just add to that by saying, um, you know, one of the lessons I learned is, is that it's important to to learn yourself and, and important to um, figure out what your identity is, like, especially what it's talking about just being black, black men in this country and also, uh, you know, being in the media space, which we, you know, which we are, uh, we are all in. Um, that was that was one of the things that I realized, especially in college, like coming out of college. You know, I graduated from college in 2013, and and at that time, it's like you you know you you you're hungry and you're eager to uh, to seek out opportunities and really kind of get your footing um, in, in the in the uh, in, in when it comes to adulting, right? Um, but at the same time, you know, when I was fresh out of college, I didn't really I feel like I didn't truly um, know my and I could say I didn't truly know myself yet, but didn't really know uh, wh where I was going to fit into this whole this media realm. So it kind of took me it took me I, I would say about uh, you know, two or three years to kind of um, just learn about more about who I was uh, in the media space and what my niche was going to be, what my identity was going to be. But I think that um, the fact that I was just trying, you know, pursuing different things um, and, you know, created this platform that I have now. Um, and I was just kind of just putting myself out there uh, and, and, and creating projects and, and that sort of thing um, and just taking the initiative. I think that's what kind of helped help position me to kind of learn more about who, who I wanted to be in this media space and what my identity was going to be and what my core values were going to be, right? Because if you don't have, if you don't have a strong foundation or a strong set of core values when it comes to the work that you're doing, then you can, you can kind of fall for anything and you'll, you'll find yourself compromising a lot of different things. So um, I'm just thankful that when I moved to New York in 2015, that's when I feel like I, you know, that first year there, um, it was definitely some ups and downs and some, some adversity, but I feel like after that first year, I kind of said, okay, Carl, I think I, I think I know I think I know who I am and what my niche is in this in this media space. Um, for me, it's it's so what it sounds like I'm the youngest one on the call, and so um, I'll say for me, um, whether it comes to uh, ministry, whether it comes to you know business and entrepreneurship, or um, you know relationships, or just you know everything across the board, I would say one of the things that I learned or, you know, kind of struggled learning um, is the importance of patience. Mm. Um, you know, with my generation uh, and the generations to come, you know, we have um, these electronic devices, um, you know, constantly in our hands, which yeah. makes it easier for us to access information um, and just kind of puts us in a, I like to, you know, I think the term that they use, but I'm gonna take credit because I really haven't heard anybody <laughs> use it. Is the microwave generation? You know, you yeah. put your food in the microwave and it heats up instantly. Yeah. Not necessarily the healthiest way, right? Um, but you know, it gets the job done. And so with that, it's like you know, if you don't lack patience, or if you don't have patience and 
you lack that trying to accomplish things um, in any endeavor in life. Um, you know, you may get to where you want to get to, but if it's rushed, it's not as foundational as it should be. You know, the, the base isn't as strong as it should be, or some things may be lacking. So um, I would say that's the probably the most important thing I've, I've learned since graduating. That's good. So I know all of us had to learn patience. What are some of the things that you had to go through to, how does one learn that patience? You all can talk about it um, as this is a universal idea for all of us and a universal struggle. Um, Jordan, you about to take it? I love what Joshua was saying. It had, yeah. it was thinking, um, yeah. uh, to answer your question, Nika, I think for me, it's important to have, you know, strong mentors, right? Like yourself who can, who can kind of help us um, young black males, I feel like for myself, I've had I've had some good mentors along the way, mm -hmm. and they've kind of helped me with that because I'm not always I'm not always the most patient, you know, person. You kind of want to see the you want kind of want to see the results right away. But I think that um, over time, just uh, you know, just kind of being up under my mentors, like uh, Rob Parker, who's in the media space. One one thing that he told me uh, when I, I when I interviewed him back in like 2016 in in New York, he was telling me he said, you know, when he looks at the younger generation now. Um, especially like young journalists, he said he feels like, you know, pe the, the, the young people want it. They want to, um, they want to kind of arrive, you know, right away. It's like mm -hmm. they want their success um, overnight. Uh, and what he was telling me is that, you know, the generation that he came from, you had to, you had to really kind of, um, you know, cover something yeah. consistently, you know, and really, mm -hmm. and really kind of get those minutes and those hours um, in the media space under, under your belt, right. Before, before, uh, before you kind of graduated to the next level. So, um, I've, I've tried to, I've really tried to embrace that and just kind of go through the process, being consistent day to day, week to week, year to year uh, with just, um, you know, putting out projects, covering material. I feel like that's kind of how you build up um, that credibility. And, and, and like I said, also, uh, you, you kind of start to embrace the idea of patience once you, you're hearing from successful people that kind of came before you. Even my, my brother-in-law, uh, when I was talking to him, uh, sometime last year we were talking and uh, this was this was right before I think right either right before I launched my my new interview series or right after and I think it might have been right after and he was pretty much just saying to me he was like man I love what you're doing with the journey series because he said that's really the that's really where the value is I feel like a lot of people think that the value is when you get to the destination right but really the value is everything it takes to get to that destination you know the entire journey so like when Joshua was talking that's what I was kind of thinking about because I've struggled with that when I was younger, uh, just with just with the whole idea of patience. But I feel like me kind of realizing that life in Korea is just is a journey, I, and just trying to embrace that and, and embrace like the lessons along the way. I think that's kind of helped me be more patient in this space. Yeah, I, I think for me, life taught me how to be patient. Um, and when I say life, I mean. You know, go piggy. It's funny, Joshua. I was I'm piggybacking off of what you said about um, the fact that we have social media, the fact that we have um, the microwave, instant popcorn um, type of thing. We see it and we want it, but we when we when you don't take your time and go through the process, just like Carl said, and you try to teach your way through it, life will teach you and it will humble you to have patience. Mm -hmm. um, I can recall even with get with my show Get Loose Radio. Um, Jesus, that's a, that's life in itself. That's patience right there. Yeah. You know where you want to go, 
and you know you see the end destination, but the fact that you got to go over these little humps and you want to go straight, but it's like, okay, I got to make a right here because it's something that I need to learn. I'm learning, and then sometimes you got to make a left because it's something that you need to learn here. But I think, um, I, I think overall, for me, my foundation with God has helped me to understand that I, he can't give me everything unless I understand the process. And I'm not going to value the, the end destination. I'm not going to value the dream unless I, he takes me through it. So now I'm appreciate I'm, I appreciate having a little bit more patience than I did before, uh, because I'm like I'm like everybody. I want it right away. Just give it to me and we good. But the life life will teach you. Life will teach you patience. And and if you don't humble yourself to the process, the process will humble you. God will humble you in a way you don't want to be humble. So it's I'm learning that it's okay to say okay, let's do it. You know, just just go through it. Mm. Joshua, go ahead. Um, uh, patience for me, oof, uh, <laughs> that is, it's definitely been a journey. Um, and I, I believe it started very early for me. Um, kind of growing up when I, you know, graduated from high school, my goal was to, uh, it was football. It was sports related. It was to be that guy. Like, you know, I wanted to, go to college, play football, you know, and my plan was to never come back home. Like I was going to get yeah. to the league and, you know, just be about the business. And um, even, you know, that didn't happen, you know, but I was so quick to just, that's what I wanted, you know, whatever it took. Um, and I encountered patience by force. Uh, and mm. I, I think that's, it. With, with me, my faith is important. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm very intentional about what I ask God for. Um, you know, is it's been many times just God, I, you know, help me with my patience. And in my youth and you know naiveness, you know, being naive, I I didn't brace myself for that. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, because you know when you ask God for something, you know, He just doesn't give you the patience. Mm -hmm. He sends you obstacles that yeah. help you build. Mm. On the on the things that you want, on the things that you're asking for, and so very early, you know, as a young man, 17, you know, I wanted to beeline out of here, and it was derailed due to an accident that I was in an automobile accident, head-on collision that forced me to I had to relearn how to walk again, and so going to going to college wasn't even an option at that point, and so that really, you know, my patience had to. It had to go into overdrive, like it. It was on a, a fast, fast pace to you know developing because staying home and seeing others go to school, uh, seeing friends of mine, you know, doing well on a, you know in their sports field and actually getting drafted and everything. It just it, it kind of ate at me, but you know, taking advantage of the opportunity, like I said, of being in that position and having to work on my patience is it just it kind of just, you know, prepared me for today, you know, in my business and ministry um, and my relationships. So, uh, you know, that, that's kind of my journey to the start of my journey to, you know, developing patience. Wow. You all have some amazing stories. They're so different, but they're just, it's the way that um, God has dealt with each of you. 
um, in that area. Um, I like what Joshua said, um, you know, God give me patience, but we don't realize when we're asking God to give us patience, hello, he's going to give you the patience by bringing on the challenge or the obstacle. So that's amazing. And then I wanted to say something about Carl's, um, your work that you're doing in media. You've painted the perfect example about the process and patience and um, the journey. That's it right there. When I look at your work, I see that you're storytelling, but it's storytelling from A to B to C to and so forth. It's a process. You're taking your listeners, your audience on a journey. So um, I applaud you all um, for that. You guys, I knew that having you on, you were going to bring wisdom. Um, and I said that specifically on some of my posts. I just knew it. So um, again, I thank you for what you're giving us right now. You've given us so much. Um, so I appreciate that. How do you defy the urge to quit? Who's taking this one first? <laughs> um, I guess I could take it for you. So how do how do I defy the urge to to quit? Yeah, because um, I think it goes along with this patience. You 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 know what? Uh, I would say this is what I would say to that. Just my my like my passion for the things that I'm my passion for life, right? Mm -hmm. Um, my passion for the things that I'm doing. Uh, mm -hmm. It's like uh, I never forget one time having a conversation with um. Gloria uh, Mayfield Banks, she's in Mary Kay. And she was just talking about how, you know, people, the fear of failure is kind of always like moves, right? You know, whether it's, uh, whether you're conscious about it or not, you're always kind of thinking about, okay, uh, just the, the the fear of something not going right. Like even with something like, even with something like this, right? You, the, the for me, the nervousness of like, okay, I gotta, you know, I gotta, I'm gonna get on this podcast and I wanna, I wanna be authentic and and I want to make sure that I'm saying meaningful things that people can gain something from. Because you care, you're passionate about what you're talking about. You care about the opportunity. Um, I I would say, uh, you, you as long as long as your passion for whatever it is that you're doing outweighs your fear of failure, you, you're gonna be you're gonna be in good you're gonna be in a good situation. Um, and I think that will kind of keep you going every, every single day. That's and that's that's what it is for me. Of course, there's there's adversity and 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 there's uh you know you know different fears that you face on a day to day basis. But I have such a passion for um, storytelling. I have such a passion for um, just for for people in general. I, I have a passion for life and for um, you know kind of embracing my story, embracing my journey, and impacting lives and giving back. That yeah, that's, that's kind of what keeps me going. Um, that's really what keeps me going every day. Uh, and, and that's that's that. I think that that passion that I have for those things is not going to allow me to to get into to, to get into the his space of, of of quitting, you know, quitting this journey. Um, I think that's kind of what it is for me. Just just my passion for life, my passion for the work that I'm doing just kind of keeps me going on my quest every day. I think for me and I'm if you all don't mind, I'm going to do a practical side and spiritual side. Um, the practical side is if I quit this. So, no, let me backtrack real quick. I'm going to be vulnerable. I used to quit on a lot of stuff. Mm. That's just me. I, I did when I was younger. And when I quit, when, when I when I gave up too easily, I found myself back in the same position. And there was no growth. 
there was no evolution. There was no progress. None of that. So now I'm thinking back in my mind, I wish I could have done this. I should have done this. I wonder what would happen. And once I got to a point where I was sick of saying those things in my head, I said, you know what? That's That's it. it. You go ahead. I'm just going to go ahead and do it. Whatever comes my way is going to come. I can't control what will happen. And I had a little, I have a, uh, (laughs) I'm a control freak in some ways. Mm -hmm. And I think we all are control freaks because we want to control what is going to happen, how we're going to get there. We want to control the process. Once I got, once I I became comfortable with understanding the process that I don't have control of none of this, I just say, you know what, just go do it. Because if it gets too hard, Life going. If it gets too hard, you're going to quit. You're going to quit on your family. You're going to quit on your wife. You're going to quit on your vocation. You're going to quit on your job. You're going to quit on your dreams. If you quit on one thing, it's going to become a continuous cycle. You're going to lose every single time. You're never going to win. So that. So when I when I understood that that it, it becomes a a habitual, it can become a habitual thing, and you're going to find yourself continue to quit on everything, and you're never going to see fruit if you don't per, if you don't persevere, if you don't just pursue it, and just wait to and just and just see yourself getting to where you need to be. That's that's number one. Number two, I read this and I read this in the Bible. I believe it's in. Oh my gosh, I don't think it's in Galatians. Oh, I can't, I can't forget. I can't remember the book, but it says. I can, this one specific thing, it just keeps ringing in my head. For these moment, uh, momentary light afflictions has nothing compared to the glory that we will see in the end. That really set the tone for me to say, okay, this is just momentary. I'm going to, I'm going to want to quit, but to defy it, I'm just like, if I look, if I keep pressing on towards the mark, I'm going to see glory. If yeah. I keep pressing towards the mark, I'm going to give victory. It's, you're... you're one thing I understood is that God already God already gave us victory. We just have to have faith in order to continue to keep going. Faith is uh, the substance of things hoped for, evidence of what we cannot see. We can't see victory right now, but at the same time, if we if we have the faith to say, "Okay, look, I know I'm going to make it. I just got to stay the course. I just got to continue the process, even when it gets hard." Life is going to get hard. Guess what? I got to continue this process. I got to get to it. So that that's how I define the practicality and the spiritual. That's how I define the odds of court. Preaching, my man. That's good. good. Um, I want to um, introduce Dr. J.C. Howard. However, um, we're having a little bit of mic issues, so we're going to give him time to um, get that straight. so, Joshua, did you want to add to define the urge to quit? Uh, I, I, I would say the only thing that I could add to that would be, um, well, what ke- keeps me from, you know, getting into that place um, is kind of just focusing on the battle instead of the war, if that makes sense. Um, you know, every day that I wake up, I, I try not to for- focus more so on the the long-term goal that I want to accomplish, but more so the, you know, the short terms that I could get done within that day, you know, because in my mind, like the way that I'm wired, if I can, if I can show myself or prove to myself that I can still accomplish something, even though it may, you know, come with obstacles, if I can accomplish something small that will eventually lead me to, you know, accomplishing the bigger picture, then um, then I'm good, you know. 
Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to stay the course and do what I need to do. So I think that's the biggest thing that keeps me from uh, finding my, myself in that position. Wow, that's good. Um, I think that a lot of us um, try to, we're so in a rush myself to get to the bigger reward when we have these little small rewards to conquer first before we get there. So that was good, Joshua. Thank you. Um, what about, talk to us about relationships and just give me a thumbs up when you're ready, Dr. Howard. Um, what about relationships? Let me just do a little test here. Am I good? Yes. Thank yes, you yes, so yes, much, Ms. You. Williams. Thank no, you so no, much, no. Ms. Williams, for uh, just for the invitation. And uh, it is good to be on here with my beloved brothers. Please excuse my tardiness. I'm coming from a recording down at the church. Uh, root to the bros. I see you, Josh. Root to the good bros, my frat brother. Um, relationships. Now, relationships in what context, Ms. Williams? You're muted. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I, I hear feedback. Can you all hear me? Okay. However you see the relationship, it could be marriage. It could be relationship with your father, which I know plays a role in many of your lives. Um, do I need to go on and say more? Oh, it's very clear. Relationships shape our lives. Um, we're born into relationships. <laughs> uh, we're in a relationship with our mother from the womb and the father as well. Um, we're, it's, there's already a relationship established. And so we're born into relationships. Um, and uh, when we come to the age of consciousness, it's our responsibility to um, shape those relationships in the context of our own lives, right? So if I'm in a healthy relationship, it's because I'm actually intentional about making sure it's healthy. Um, uh, anybody who wants to eat right, I think everybody, we live in an era now where everybody's vegan and people are eating good and better, which is a beautiful thing, right? But it's intentionality uh, because it's easy for me to go down the street and grab a quarter pounder, uh, but I got to go to Publix or Kroger and get my, my, my vegetables, right? And so it's you have to be intentional about this thing called relationship. And uh, unfortunately, some people aren't as intentional as we are. Right. Uh, 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 an absentee father wasn't intentional about being in my life as I may have been intentional about being in his. Right. Uh, and so what you have to do is and here's the thing, you have to ensure that you're in a healthy relationship with self first, particularly before we're in, 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 the, in the adult arena. Right. You have to be in a healthy relationship with self before you can be in a healthy relationship with anybody else. Because anything that's toxic in our lives is invited. Uh, it is. It's invited. We allow it into our lives. Anything that is toxic, including relationships. And a lot of times we strive to uh, be in these relationships and make these relationships work when we don't realize it's toxic and maybe we're not treating ourselves right. <laughs> uh, maybe I'm not maybe I'm not even treating myself right. And so I need to be in a healthy relationship with self before I uh, before I enter into a healthy relationship with another. But also you also have to remember and I'll, I'll turn this over to one of my brothers on the panel. But you also have to re remember that everybody might not love the way that you love. Everybody might not reciprocate the energy that you're giving. 
And so it's imperative. And you, you brought up the Bible, uh, Brother Gregory. And so, yeah, I am a pastor. But that's that was uh, Second Corinthians, by the way, four. Second Corinthians, by the way. That's a good passage of scripture. Uh, uh, but the Bible lets us know that how can two walk together unless they're equally yoked? I need to know that I am receiving the kind of energy that I'm giving. Now, it might look different because everybody has different love languages. And love languages is not just about romantic relationships, friendships, fatherhood, parenting. That's all love language stuff. And so it might, the love language might be different, but the, it, but the energy level has to be the same. How can two walk together unless they agree? And so I would simply say, I need to be in a healthy relationship with myself first. And I also need to be conscious that people might not love the way that I love. And so I can't expect to get the same kind of love that I always give. And I have to be okay with that, particularly if I'm a man and particularly if I know it's my responsibility to love hard anyway. I'm sorry. I said, does anyone else want to follow that? Uh, I don't think there's a need if we've been quite honest. <laughs> Yeah, because what I had to say ain't nothing compared to what he, what Pastor just dropped. I'm good. <laughs> but and let's bring and let's go ahead and, and add another thing, Jordan, because we also have to realize and remember that we can't expect the relationship that we see on social media either. Correct. Right. 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 This is a real thing that we're dealing with in this in the real time with the millennial generation, with us, and with Generation Z specifically. We are chained to social media as a culture. We're addicted. We're actually addicted to social media as a culture. And oftentimes, that's why I said, I told my girl, listen, what they got going on on social media don't mean that's what's going on in our house or what's going on with me and you, right? right. You know what I mean? What, what you see, you know what I mean? Because everything that you see on so social media is partially pontification anyway. And I know we pride ourselves on being real and we pride ourselves, but there's a reason why people take 20 pictures before they post one. It's a reason why, because there's a certain image that they want to portray, right? There's a reason why I have to record and re-record these clips and TikToks, right? Because there's a certain image that I want to portray. So there's an element of pontification in every post that we see. And so what we can't do is, in relationships, particularly romantic relationships, we cannot look at the grass in the other yard and think that just because it's greener that it's meant for us in this season because green grass on the other side of the fence can easily be artificial turf. Mm. 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 <laughs> I was, I, mm. you're right, you right, Pastor. No, no, you can't, no, 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 you're right. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say, I, I'm, I'm, first of all, thank you. I, I was, I, we, I think we're all just like, Whoa. Right. But I, I was just going to say relationships in terms of whether it's relationships in business, whether it's relationships, even in your friendships. Um, the two the two questions that I have are, are they helping you grow mm. and, or are they helping you to perish? And also, my second question is, um, do they bring value? Mm. If they're not helping you grow, nor are they helping you to bring value to where you are? Sometimes you may have to servitize. You may have to walk that that right that path that's designed and purpose for you in order for you to get the right purpose uh, purposeful relationships that is designed and ordained for you. Um, but then also it goes back to what what Pastor said. You have to know yourself. 
So if you know yourself, you know exactly what it is that you want to attract because it, it, there is a such thing as the law of attraction. What you put out is exactly what you want to reciprocate. Yeah, that was it for me. I want, I'm gonna add. I'm gonna add something too. Uh, first and foremost, man, Pastor, man, this guy came in blazing up. We we, we exactly. appreciate it, man. <laughs> Goodness gracious. <laughs> I, I was definitely in church just now, man, but I needed that. Um, right. And Jordan, man, I appreciate what you had to say too. And, um, what you both, what you brothers have said, has kind of made me think about something. I've, I've had a, I've had a spiritual counselor since about 2015, but when I moved to New York, you know, we stayed in contact, but I wasn't, I wasn't doing my sessions like I was when I was in Maryland. Um, but now I'm kind of getting now that I'm married, you know, newly married, I'm getting back into those sessions, right? Um, so, but it's, it's one thing. It's one thing that he's he's taught me about relationships that is it's very it's, it's it's even more prevalent to me now at, at 31 than it was when he first told me uh and, and what he told me back in like 2015 16 was the importance that when you have your your friendships because i i when i was growing up i would have like my uncles or like my father or my mom or my grandparents would tell me that you know you, you you'll be lucky to have you'll be it's be a blessing if you have you know one to three truly truly just amazing friends as you you know as you get become an adult and uh, i just so happened i don't know if it's just because of just schooling and, and and playing sports playing basketball and just being involved in so many things i have like a ton of friends like jordan can even attest to it at the wedding is just ridiculous it's like there's too many people we have up here at the at the altar right but at the same time one thing that um I, i've never lost sight of is that what well, i try not to lose sight of is, is something that my spiritual counselor told me you want to put you you want to put your relationships into like two different categories. You have you have the eight you have eighty like eighty percent, and then you have the twenty, right? Um, and that's something that I've kind of had to really pay attention to as I've gotten older. And one there was a, a point in time in my life where sometimes I was spending a lot of time with people that were in that twenty category, and spending that type of time with them did not always bring out the best in me, right? So as I'm getting older now. One thing that I'm trying to be more intentional about, I know you guys are talking about being intentional. One thing I'm trying to be more intentional about is making sure that I'm spent I'm spending quality time with the, the the people, my friends that are in the 80 categories, right? I can still love I can still love people that's in the 20 category. You know, I can still have love for them and be friends with them, but for me, it's got I gotta kind of keep them at bay a little bit, or kind of just love them from a distance at times because it just might not bring out the best in me. But um, you know, I, I take pride in I take pride in ha knowing knowing the friends that are in that eighty that eighty category and making sure that I'm I'm spending time if if I'm gonna spend time like quality time with friends, intimate time with people, and and trust them in terms of just conversations and going certain places with them and, and involving themselves with my family and that sort of thing. I try to make sure that I'm I'm mainly dealing with people like Jordan. Jordan's in he would be in that eighty category for me. You know, we've known each other for such a long time. But when I when I'm when I'm with him, he kind of brings out the best in me, you know, just as a man yeah. and just as a friend. So I would yeah. say that with with the things the pastor saying and what Jordan was saying, it made me think about that. Um, and that's something that was taught was taught to me. with 2015, I'm still thinking about it to this day, and it's even more it's even more relevant now because I'm getting older and I'm yeah. in a different type of a space of adulting because I'm married and that sort of thing. So certain places I can't go anymore, certain yeah. certain environments I can't be be in anymore. You know, so yeah, that, that that comes to mind when you when you mention relationships, um, Miss Williams. That's good, Joshua. Um, you know, everything was hit on the head. To be honest, I don't think I have um anything else to add on to it. It'd just be, you know, 
reiterating what everyone else has said. So um, I, I think I will say that the one thing that's kind of kind of kept me in good condition, uh, you know, in good standing with in regards to friends, relationships, mm-hmm. um, I would say it's just making sure that so to give some background information, uh, my father is a pastor. Um, and so one of the things that kept me with choosing the right people to be around to with choosing, uh, the people that I, you know, surround myself with is if I can't bring you home, then you're not the right person. You're not the right friend for me. Yeah. If I, if I have to sugarcoat who you are, what you do, uh, you know, the, the activities you're involved in, if I have to sugarcoat that to my family, then I, you know, no, no disrespect, no offense, mm-hmm. no, no knock on you, you know, what you do in your pastime, but you know, it's just not what I can, uh, you know, so it's, you're not the type of person I could surround myself with. And it's just something I had to learn, um, early on in life. Um, because with being a PK, you know, you, you know, it's a stigma attached to a PK. So, you know, you just got to be careful the yeah. environment that you're in, the people that you hang around. So, right. Um, you know, that's that's what helped me with that area. That's good. I'm glad you know that, that there's there is that stigma. You have to just to be careful. That's good. That's um, what are your thoughts, lessons on working against the cultural norms for black men? Cultural norms. How what are your lessons? What are your experiences with that, working against those cultural norms? Well, um, I, I think I'll take a stab at it for the brotherhood's sake. I, I think that, um, well, first we have to identify what cultural norms for black men are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to understand what cultural norms are that black culture solidifies and then cultural norms that majority culture or dominant culture or white culture right um would would kind of say so you know white culture would suggest um that african-american males are hypersexualized uh african-american males uh lack the uh, tools for fatherhood they're absentee fathers african-american males are lazy uh african so these are some of the societal kind of stereotypes that um society has put on black men uh, whereas we see that uh, black men, not only um, are we strong, but uh, the black male has a desire to be familial, right? Uh, and we can be here all day talking about what slavery did to the black family. Uh, that, that's a whole nother show, <laughs> Sister William, that's a whole nother show. But uh, we, have to, we have to recognize and remember that just because society is labeled a particular kind of stereotype, doesn't mean our villages labeled the same thing. Here's what I mean. Um, my daddy worked every day, <laughs> every day. He got up and he worked hard. And I'm talking about he worked with his hands uh, in the hospital every single day. Uh, and I was probably one of maybe three families on my block that had a, a father in the household, a two-parent household, right? Uh, and so consequently, I was able to see the value of hard work. Uh, I remember living in like the hood, in like Section 8 housing, and my father and mother working 
uh, tirelessly in order to move us to the, you know, halfway decent side of town, which they did, which I never forgotten. Uh, and so consequently, the, the value, the hard work ethic or the value of work and that ethic was literally uh, passed down, as, as Josh was talking about, even with his father, it was passed down, not through word, but through deed. Right. It wasn't through word, but it was through D. Uh, and, and that's how the culture works, period. Um, children do what you do, not what you say. <laughs> that's exactly what kids do. Kids are kids. If you do something that you tell your child not to do, they're going to say, why can you do it? And I can't. Children right, right. do what you do, not what you say. And the culture works the very same way. The same principle works in the culture. Uh, so it's, it's imperative uh, that, number one, uh, and I think that it was Jordan who was alluding to this earlier, or it might have been Carl. You have to connect yourself with people that are where you want to be. It's imperative. Mentorship is a lost art, but it's necessary. It's really a lost art. It's a lost phenomenon with the millennial and the Z generations. But it's so critical because you need somebody in your life that is that is where you're trying to go. And you need that kind of connection so that you always have something to aspire to. Watch this. That person doesn't just tell you what to do. They show you. In fact, you were attracted to that person because of what they did, not what they said. And so consequently, the, the, the art of mentorship is absolutely critical and consequential in the life of the African-American male. We need mentors and we need to be mentors. Josh, lift as you climb, Josh. Lift as you climb. He knows what I'm talking about. And so that's our responsibility. We're supposed to be lifting as we're climbing. But here's the other thing. Um, you, we have to also watch our habitual behavior. Mm -hmm. It takes 21 days to develop a habit and 21 days to break one. Three weeks, right? Um, we have to watch our habitual behavior. And based on what we do habitually, it's, it's going to render the results that we desire. And so if I can, I can pray for a new job all I want. But if I don't go and apply for a job, <laughs> my prayer is in vain, right? There has to be, there is faith. Like Josh, and I think everybody on this panel is talking about, there's an element of faith, but there has to be action with the faith. And we have to be real enough with ourselves to call out ourselves and say, I do this every single day and it's not working for me. I need to I need to figure out how to adjust or how to uh, or how to unearth this practice and then plant a new practice that is going to directly uh, be against what cultural norms are. Right. And that's the reality of the situation. And so um, but I'm telling you that that concept of example, it's so important in our lives because yeah. from childhood, we do what we, we do, what we see, not just what we hear. We do what we see. And I'll let the other brothers uh, go from there. Yeah, I was just going to piggyback. It's, it's, it's funny, um, Pastor, because you kind you've really summed up what I was going to say um, in terms of. Um, the, the the negative stereotypes of what culture, culture norms for African-American men, that also has to deal with the generational curse that we, that's been plaguing our community ever since how long, how, how far back we can go. Um, and I think once we understand that we can be honest with ourselves and just say, hey, look, this is a generational curse. Pr prime example, multiple, like if you, if, if growing up, if you see, your friend, your, your daddy, your grandfather, your uncle, um, whoever that's attached to you had multiple women. That's what you want to have multiple women as well. Yeah. You have to identify it 
at that this is that the issue that you that we have is a lust issue. I'm just using this as an example. Yep. Um, is uh, you have to understand you got to break that generational curse because guess what? Kosher sets, uh, shows us that if a man has his regular, his his wife, his side chick, a whole bunch of other other women that's um, that's a, that's attached to him, he's the man. Actuality, you know, you you're not the man, you know, because you're not committed to one person, you know. And by you, if you could be faithful and committed to one person, that's you're the man. Because guess what? Now you broke that generational curse, and now your children, your children's children can attest to that. But then also. I know that we talked, he, um, Pastor talked about um, mentors. What if you can't really get in touch with a mentor? You have to be a model now. You have to be a model for people afar. So when they look at you, they'd be like, okay, that's the man who I want to be. Um, and, and they have to, and we're not, and the thing is, I'm just going to say this right now. We're not going to get it right. We're going to mess up. It's okay. Right. But for you to model, hey, look, this is where I messed up. And this is where I need to, this is where I need to go because it's not just my children looking at me, but it's somebody else afar looking at me. I, if they can't reach me as a mentor, I have to now be a model for them as to how to go out, how to go about and present myself the right way, whether they see my good, my bad, my, my perfections, my imperfections, I have to be authentic in myself so they can see it as well. And because what we want to do, we want to mimic what we see, like Pastor hey. And if you can't be a mentor, you got to be a model. Break the generational curse when you see it. And yeah, that's good. Um, um, love what both of these brothers just said. Um, the the pastor pastor was talking about the importance of having people in your life your your life that are great examples. And my father uh, definitely mm -hmm. comes. To, he's like the, one of the first people that comes to mind for me. Yeah. Um, and you know, Jordan knows how close me and my, my pops are. Nika knows how close me and my pops are. Um, we during the pandemic, we started. Uh, we always wanted to collab collaborate, but we didn't know what we were going to do together. And then during the pandemic, we decided to um, do something, create a, a show uh, centered on sports. Uh, we also talk about you know community topics as well. Uh, but it's kind of we already had like an unbreakable bond, but it's it's made it a lot stronger. But what I want to say about my pops is um, the pastor's right. It's about, it's not just about what he says, right? If I'm, if when I, if when I'm, when I was growing up, if he was just saying something and the thing, the, the sad thing about it is I know, I know a lot of situations where um, that happens, right? To, to, and that it breaks kid, it breaks a kid's heart, right? When yeah. you have a, a father who was telling you, man, we're going to go do this. or We're going to spend time or we're going to, you know, it has all these things that they're telling you that sounds good, but then the actions don't line up with that. My father has always been the the, the complete opposite, um, and I'm just been been blessed to to have someone like him in my life who uh, the the most the most valuable thing he could have been was present, you know, and mm. and, and the brother was present. That's good. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, from making sure that I'm at every basketball, he's at every basketball practice, he's at every every basketball game, he's at the training sessions, he's at the school events. You know, we're we're in church together. My father was a youth pastor for 17 years. He's still involved in ministry now. Um, I me, mean, I remember just being in church with him on Wednesday nights, being in church with him uh, Sunday, Saturday, stuff during the weekend. Um, when he when he was uh, be prior to going into ministry, he had his own cleaning business for about twelve years. I remember being a kid and just being with him at some of these buildings where he's doing late night cleaning himself. I mean, just always being attached to the hip to my pops. And the yeah. thing about it is, 
it, it showed me and I realized it later on that that foundation is, is truly important. Like when I look at a lot of kids today that are struggling with certain things, I, I mean, my heart goes out to them because there's a lot of there's a lot of young black. Let's just if we, since we're talking about black males. Right. There's a lot of young black males who don't necessarily have the, the foundation. Right. The foundation to to, you know, a, a good enough foundation that when they when they're 25 or 30, they're going to be able to make certain smart decisions. Now the one, the, the ones who, the ones who can, it, it's like, oh my gosh, man, that, that's a blessing. It's like, man, that that's that's amazing to see. I know uh, a motivational speaker, uh, Wesley Hawkins, uh, located in Baltimore. I just interviewed him recently, and we're putting that interview out there. This brother, when he tells, when you hear his story, when you look at him today, like he's in his he's in his early thirties. When you look at him today, you're gonna say, yo, how did he, how did he get to, like, how did he get here? Like the, all the stuff that he went through as a young kid for him to, 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 you know, overcome those obstacles. And now he's in a place where he's trying to help other, other young, young black, black males. Um, it, it's just amazing to see, but kind of going back to m my pops, um, I realize now that the things that he was doing, right. The things that he was teaching me when I was younger, it's, it's practically saved my life. Yeah. You know, because when I, when I got my first taste of freedom and I'm in college, right. In 2009, yeah. I'm a freshman in college. You know, there were certain things that, you know, my, my parents, I would say, kind of shout, try to, you know, shout to me from, from in, in a way, I think my, I think my mom more so, more tried to shout to me. I think my dad was like, you know, protecting me, but also he would, we would have convers certain conversations that, that meant, you know, a, a father's going to have with his son, right, that I might not have with my mother. Um, but I can honestly say, even when I felt like I was kind of strained, right, losing my way, because I grew up in a church and everything, so I knew right from wrong, but even when I felt like I was kind of strained away and losing my way, um, that foundation yeah. that my parents set in my life spiritually, right? The the um, it, it it came back full circle, and yeah. I feel like it's really saved me from 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 going off a cliff, and really saved me from doing certain things that is just really hard to come back from, you know. Yeah. So I, I I just just going back to what the pastor said in turn, it, it's it, he's he's hundred percent right. It's so important to have like good examples, uh, you know, in your life. And, and my father has been that. And since we like I said, since we talk about males, I can talk about my mother all day. But since we're talking about black males specifically, my pops yeah. and and you know my grandfather, um, I have amazing uncles. Like I mean, to this day, I probably spend more time with with them. And you know, you're talking about these guys are upwards of fifties, and my grandfather's eighty three. But I'm spending more time with them than I am with friends my age, just because you know that's what I've been accustomed to growing up. And like they've set great examples for me, and I just I respect them. And I, you know, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate them for for being involved in my life all of these years. And I, I really feel like it's I made I'm not, I'm not perfect. I made mistakes, but I feel like it's really kept me from you know kept me out of harm's way in, in a major way. Because if I didn't if I didn't have my father, if I didn't have my grandfather, my uncles, I don't know where I don't know what what, what my life would look like. Just just the plight of a black male. You know, I don't I don't know where I would have went with that without having those examples. And like Pastor said, not just people that's saying something to you, that's just talking a good talk, but people that's actually walking in. So right. I, that, what, what he, what uh, Pastor said and what Jordan said kind of like triggered that for me in a, in a good way. Mm -hmm. I want to add that. Yeah. Joshua? Yeah, this time I actually don't have anything else to add. Uh, <laughs> you know, they say, you you know, go last, go last. You know, it'll allow, it'll allow you to calm your nerves and all that. Yeah, going last is, you know, everybody's just um, kind of just picking things out of my brain that's, you know, just 
that's what that would be my answer you know to the questions okay um but yeah that's Everything, everyone hit, on the, hit the hammer, you know, hit the nail on the hammer. Sorry about that. Nika, I didn't mean to uh, cut you off, Josh. Um, I just wanted to add just a little ice into this thing because Carl really just blessed me um, in, in talking about, you know, the mentorship. And I think all of us here, all of us men are here have been blessed, you know, mm -hmm. with being able to have either a father in the home or a male figure in our lives that helps steer it. I know Josh does. He he wouldn't be wearing that sweatshirt if he didn't. And so um, we're blessed in that regard. We really are. But we also have to look at the other side of the tracks because you have a lot of brothers out here that don't have those examples or there are exam their examples are in the game or in the street. And so it's hard if you're born into it. Listen, I don't care what anybody says. We are all shaped where we are shaped by our social ecology, by what's going on around us, by our environment. We are. But I love the name of this show I, I, um, because you're the one who has to change the narrative. Mm -hmm. And so I would I would um, I would number one, say that one of the ways that we can counter cultural norms that are placed upon black men. Number one is you have to fall in love with your passion and your purpose. You do, because let me tell you something. If you know your purpose and if you know your passion, you won't be sitting laying on your mama's couch until you're 40. If you know your purpose and your passion, you're not gonna let your daughter and your son grow up with not without knowing you or without supporting them. If you know your if you know your purpose and your passion, you're not gonna be out here um womanizing when you know you have wifey at home. You 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 you're gonna take pride in yourself as a man. But let me add this thing because I think about the question actually made me think about when I think about brothers, because we are I think many of us work with young people and some of these young people are for they are they street for real i thought i was street when i was coming up they are for real street they don't care if they die at 12 13 they they toting 44s and and you know and so here's the thing when you're born into what if you're born into a family when all your uncles are gang banging when your cousins are gang banging right that's what you know that's all you know and so consequently we got to remember that brother who was born into a particular kind of social situation that rears them into the street that actually encourages them to be in the street right but if you fall in love i think about king vaughn in chicago right rest in peace king vaughn he was in juvenile and locked up until he was about 22 23 facing murder cases he found his passion he begins to rap and make music and he's great at it right he's making money he drops an album but what happens the street is so ingrained in him that even what when he meets success it's hard for him to divorce his mentality his ideology from where he grew up right even though he has some brothers around him but watch this the brothers around him were feeding that energy and so mm -hmm. you got to fall in love with your passion and you have to have the right circle, man. And I know we talked about that earlier, so I'm not going to uh, harp on that. You have to have the right circle. You have to surround yourself with people. If you're the smartest person in your crew, you in the wrong crew, <laughs> period. And, yeah. so, and so that's important. And the last thing I say, Nika, is this. Read. Please pick up a book and read. If you want to, if you want to crush, Nelson Mandela said that most, the, most, uh, the most powerful weapon in the world is education. That's what he told a group of black men at Morehouse College. It, the most powerful weapon in the world is education. And if you learn how to read something, my brother, <laughs> read a book, even if you start with Ebony or Sports Illustrated, you have to read, man, because reading is the window into the world. Yes. Gentlemen, 
this has been an awesome, awesome show. I thank you for um, contributing your thoughts. I thank you um, for the listeners um, who you've spoken to. Um, please let our listeners know how they can contact you or connect with you, um, starting with Joshua. All righty. Um, you can contact me. I, honestly, the best way is uh, Facebook. That's probably uh, the social avenue that I pay the closest attention to. Um, okay. So it's just Joshua Moore. Uh, you can find me on there. Um, and if you want to get me directly, you know, feel free. You can email me, uh, morejoshuajb at gmail.com. Thank you. Carl. Sorry, I was muted. Um, yes, if you want to contact me, um, kind of like Josh was saying, you know, and we talk about social media, but uh, so I feel I'm laughing at myself for, for putting this out there. You can message me on Instagram uh, on my media page, um, Carl Nelson Media at Carl Nelson Media. That's just K A R L Nelson and Media um, on Instagram, and uh, you know, I, from there we can exchange emails, numbers, and all of that. Um, so yeah. Thank you, Jordan. Um, you can get in contact with me, um, when I'm on IG, I have to look at it cause you know, we get on IG and I don't look at it sometimes I'll change my name from time to time, but you know, um, but IG JK Gregory underscore G L R that's short for get loose radio. Um, and also you can follow my get loose radio page on IG as well. And also on Twitter at I, at I, I am JK Gregory. Thank you, Dr. JC. Hey, y'all, I apologize. My dog won't let me be great. Over That's okay. <laughs> He's a very spoiled dog. Thank you again, Nika, for just really inviting us to be a part of this conversation. And uh, thank you, brothers, because y'all have really blessed me today. I love talking about this stuff, especially when it comes to the black man. And so hopefully you'll have another dialogue like this again, Nika, and, yes. and, and some of us can come back. Uh, you yes. can reach me um, at JC Howard Speaks on Instagram and Twitter. That's at JC Howard Speaks. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter, JC Howard on Facebook. Uh, the name of my church is House of Hope Macon in Macon, Georgia. We're on Facebook, we're on YouTube and all of that good stuff. Our services are every Sunday. Uh, we air one at 10 and then again at 7 p.m. Uh, and then Tuesday nights at seven at noon and 7 p.m. We have our Lessons for Life Bible Study, House of Hope Macon Church. And so uh, if you don't remember JC, remember House of Hope Macon and you can connect with us anytime. We'd love to see you. Thank, thank you, gentlemen. Um, thank you for allowing me to showcase your stories, for doing your part in changing the narrative, and lastly, for keeping your commitment by being a part of the show. That means a lot. If you've enjoyed the show, please let us know. We would love to shout you out and post your comments. If you or someone you know is changing the narrative, please contact us at ichangethenarrative at gmail.com. We would love to share your story. For I Change the Narrative merchandise, visit ichangethenarrative.org. Thank you to our sponsors for um, just contributing also to our show. Thank you to our sponsors, So Organic, So Suave. You can follow Sauce on Instagram for the latest in product news and updates at sossd.co. Meet us here next Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you all for listening.